This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. You have a vision, but the universe, God, takes care of the rest. And all of us have that ability. So I just want to just say that and thank you uh, for uh, your patience. Thank you for uh, allowing for the, the, uh, the things that aren't exactly perfect to be perfect. And um, I just want to thank every presenter. The, the panel this morning mm. was mm. amazing. Really uh, Dr. Christy Purnell, Dr. Nana Yao, uh, Dr. Hervé, I thank you as well, and of course the team, because there's a lot of people working to make sure that everybody is uh, served. Absolutely. And we'll I just want to give it up, hand. the table over there, Karen, Michelle, uh, the other people, Agnes, oh my God, Agnes. Agnes is swimming and just making things happen in the pool and other places. I don't even know where Lindsay is, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Um, I remember when I met this man, and I, like, I wanted to talk with him because I'd seen him on you know, Roland, I'd seen him on different things, and I was like, this is an incredible human being. And, but his mind, though, but his mind, right? I've never, I've never seen anybody that would make me, because you know, I'm a little smart, but not, you know, I'm not impressed by too many people. And this guy has me like, whoa. The notes that I have, the things that I want to do as a result of the seeds that he drops every single week, just incredible. And then he keeps bringing seeds. So Dr. Senyata, Mario Beatty, and it goes on and on. And now there's office hours on Monday. And Nubia narrative couldn't have happened without him because that was, that was born out of in class with Carr, which we're in right now. So you can hit, you can hit, you can hit start. Okay. We're in class with Carr. Oh, no. This is the first time we were just talking. We yep. haven't seen each other in two years. Um, That's right. But we see each other every single week. Every week. Every single week, 105 episodes in a row. Every single week, we're in community, and sometimes Monday, and then sometimes yep. on Friday, and then sometimes during the week, we're going to text each other. And right. it's like um, we're, we're in a relationship that is beyond anything that you can imagine in terms of the spiritual connection. So today, I don't know what we're talking about. Because I never do. I'm like, we may have an idea, somebody, an ancestor, have, you know, somebody passed away, okay, we're gonna talk about them. But for the most part, it just is like, okay, what are we doing? So we're in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I imagine Dr. Gray Carr is gonna be something. So let me introduce you to Dr. Gray Carr in class with Carr. Oh. Thanks, uh, thank you. Now, <laughs> we got the relations. I know we're in it. Um, let's be very clear. Everybody's got the let's be clear. This is Dr. Dr. Obenga would say that. Um, we wouldn't be here except for you. So I think I'm just going to stand up. Can I just stand no. up and give Carol Hunter? <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Now I it. Thank you. <laughs> Yes, yes. We do an old school Baptist style, right? We just want to touch it. If I had that white handkerchief, y'all know what come after that, right? Yeah, there you go. Thank you, sis. That's right. That's right. And I got the stopwatch going. I was joking with Karen because I said, you know, I'm not at home, so I'm looking, I'm reaching for stuff I don't have. And so I can't do it. Um, and I know that that other microphone is coming because I know I can't give this back to her because <laughs> even though we could, right, she got the, 
I didn't even wipe it off. But that's you. all right. Like everybody else, I, I mean, I said, I got I had three shots. Do I need to get a fourth? I got my test. Yes, <laughs> I got my results. You made sure we're all safe. So thank you. Thank you. And my stopwatch is going, so we're going to keep this one tight today. Um, I want to blame our sister, uh, our friend, Sunyata Amin, because she taught a master class in less than an hour and brought all those Orisha in here. So what comes out of my mouth next, I'm going to blame her for talking about Milton Hershey. Actually, I'm going to blame you. <laughs> Don't worry. That's why I calm it down, because she brought that Ogun, but she went all the way through the week. So, and she was, it's tough. I feel that Olegba. No, this place we're in, y'all were here? Y'all were here, right? Right before COVID. Let me say that that first panel today was just so brilliant and so insightful. And I want to say that everyone who has become an ancestor in the two years since we've been in this foolishness that has been unleashed on the world for some reason has been transformed in one way or the other. And for me, I joke with Karen all the time, I, don't, I ain't never got to leave my house again. <laughs> so this is the most people I've seen in two years. And I love y'all, really. If I haven't seen you one-on-one, -on -one, we will before we, you know, at the same time. I think I'm more effective just sitting in my house and stuck, because you never get that break. My bed does not recognize my body. I've slept in it more than I have since I guess I was probably a child. <laughs> Some of y'all probably know what I'm talking about. Just, it's a different thing. And so to come here, that's only because of her. Professor Hunter's on you can come. Okay, I'm sent for you. So I got on the train, left, left DC, came to 30th Street. I've taken that train more times than I can count on another way. When I lived in Philly 17 years, and in them 17 years, I ain't never been to Hershey, nothing. Hershey Park, Hershey Hotel. <laughs> Some of y'all from this area, so y'all know it's got to be a targeted reason to come here. And once you gave the order, I had to do the deep dive because I get my homework from Professor Hunter. I know a little bit about Milton Hershey. I know some of y'all are doing. Everybody in here, and I'm going to keep this short. I've got my eye on the clock. And Karen laughs at me. She says, you got your eye on the clock. But no, but we on schedule. We all in person now. So I'm, <laughs> not gonna, I'm just going to say a couple of quick things. And hopefully we can have a little bit of a conversation uh, in these few minutes we have. So I went looking for Milton Hershey. I stayed up all night looking for Milton Hershey. Um, the Chocolate King, right? And it makes you wonder, how many little black boys and girls have to die to build a place like this? <laughs> you ever ask yourself that question? So I read the study last night. University of Chicago has a research group and they're in conjunction with some international folks. And so they did a survey in 2019 in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana. About 45% of the children in those countries that are involved in agriculture or involved in child labor. Many of them kidnapped from places like Mali and Burkina Faso in the cocoa fields. That ain't on Milton Hershey though. That's not where I'm going with this. What I'm really going on for or is what we're doing right now. Because that ain't what built this. 
in some ways it's not what sustains it because we're here now which means every African in the world we have obligation to because those children 84% remember from the study 84% of agriculture in Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire is cocoa there was a NGO that sued the seven huge chocolate companies a few years ago and it wasn't Mars, it was, oh, it'll come to me in about 10 seconds, who, that's right, y'all got, see, this is where everybody can do their own research, y'all can look it up. You don't have to be in the chat Nestle, now. Nestle, it was Nestle. You saw it, then you can't. They said they're going to put a billion and a half by 2030 into cocoa sourcing. They're gonna pay the farmers directly. So my first question is, we're gonna evade the Ghana Cocoa Board? And some of y'all Ghanaian know that the Ghana Cocoa Board don't mean it's gonna to get to the Ghanaian farmers because petty bourgeois mess ain't got no race. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they may trick those cats anyway. But I'm thinking about all those boys and girls. I'm talking about the survey they did was as young as five all the way through 17. Because if you old enough to walk, like Fannie Lou Hamer said, when that truck pulled up in Mississippi and she was old enough to walk, she got on the cotton field. Same thing's happening in Cote d'Ivoire, in Ghana, and in surrounding areas around cocoa. But Milton Hershey, born in 1857, right around here, he's from this area, right? was a humanitarian. That's why I found out. He was born to a different world. Right? That's, that's close to, actually, he was born the same year Dred Scott decision was decided, right? And so, he failed in his first couple of businesses, got some money from his auntie, and from there, learned the practice, the candy making trade. He started with caramels, as you all know. And then he figured out the chocolate that he was coating the caramels with, ain't nobody really making chocolate like this, because they made it by hand before, and he's the first one to make it, put it on an automatic thing, because you know Henry Ford, you know, Carney was retired by then, Ford's making model T's. He started making chocolate that way. That's how he made his money. So I'm gonna keep, I'm, 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 I'm cause there's a lot of things I wanna say about it and I won't have a lot of time. I want to have conversations. So I'm not going I'm just gonna mention one or two other things initially before I forget them. Cause normally if I was at the house, I would have cards everywhere. I'd be scribbling stuff down. I'd be thinking stuff. So I wrote some few cards out of habit, but then I'll never look at them anyway. So it don't really matter. He, his wife passed away. Apparently uh, Catherine, what it does some two people looking at us when we checked in. And so after that, so after that, you know, he wasn't, he was here, but he wasn't here. So he decided he would spend time in Cuba. He got his chocolate, but what else do you need to make chocolate? Exactly. He had his milk because the cows, right? They, they can do cows in this area. So y'all know it. But the sugar, now here's the question. What kind of sugar do you think they were using before he decided to switch. Sugar comes from what? Right, but what else? Beets, beet sugar, right? World War I, 1914, 1918, wife passes in 15, 16, he starts looking around because the war interrupted the beet sugar supply. But here's the question of some of y'all Haitians, so y'all know the answer to this question. Why did the French get into the beet sugar business in the first place? Ain't no Haitians in here? Who kicked them out of the island where there was the richest? 
the sugar cane. Hey, yeah, yeah, thank you, Doc. I know you said I see your last name. I know, the Haitians put the French out of Haiti. So Napoleon and them to keep money had to move from sugar cane to beet sugar. Milton Hershey had beet sugar. The war interrupts that. I switch back to cane. So he goes to Cuba, sets up five huge plants, creates a whole town like this in Cuba. Black people all up in this building. We're supposed to be here, right? <laughs> Why ain't y'all? So he got the sugar from the Cubans. Got the chocolate from the Africans, makes all this money, sets up a school in Cuba. The school in Cuba is based on the one here. Y'all saw that big school we came in, right? Some of y'all, any of y'all go to the Milton Hershey School? No. Okay. Look, we've been going, hold on for a second. Well, hold on, because I, I, I mean, I got to make sure, because I'm, I'm messing up. And I said I was going to stop here. 13 minutes, 47 seconds. I'm going to go to 15. That gives me a 60 seconds, and I'm going to stop. Seriously. Um, the Milton Hersey School, a few years ago, when they got in trouble with the state, because they're sitting on about $12.5 billion endowment, but Hershey set up a trust for the school. The school reports to the trust. The companies with the trust. There's a book called... Uh, the Chocolate Trust, and there's another one on the chocolate. Uh, in fact, I wrote those down. I was, thought you were going to reach for one. Yeah, I'm going to look, because you know I, I, I wrote that down. Yeah, Peter Curry and Chocolate We Trust and Bob Fernandez, the Chocolate Trust. They got so much money. They, left, they got about 2,100 students over there. And long story short, they started letting black people in because it used to be, part it, it, by their rules, only young white male orphans could go to the Hershey School. Because once you get in, they pay for everything. And uh, did any of y'all go to Hershey School? Any y'all know anybody who went? Okay, there you go. What, what part of the world? Exactly. Okay, here. That means they went to the Hershey School. Exactly right. Hershey School right now is about 37% black. No, 37% white, about 34 so percent black. About 18% Latinx or Hispanic, mixed race is about 11% because they had to rewrite everything. The first dude, black guy who graduated from Hershey School just made transition about three years ago. 1971, I think it's when, and then they started letting girls in in 76. I said, I'd like to say this. They had to remix the trust because Hershey, when he passed, had set it up so lovely they didn't do whatever the hell they wanted to do. Which leads us to the question I'm going to end with for now, which is, what are the limits of capitalism, even when you mean to do well? And if we're going to build the world we want to live in beyond this space, and I think that's what you've done with Narrative and Newbie, that's what we're doing, really. How far are we willing to go? Because even those with the best intentions, like Milton Hershey, still doing it on the backs of people who can never be fully human in this system. I'm gonna pause, there's a lot more I can say, but I'm gonna stop for now. So, um, oh, let me, all right, so if I'm gonna pay for this, it better work. There it is, there it is. Hello, nope, not Here. working, not, R Rub right. that all thing. Right. All right. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, you know I'm an old theater major. After what we saw Sunyata do, Y'all bet y'all saw the real Sunny Hamid today. I'm blaming her, <laughs> but I'm not her. So, so yeah, she, okay. she, she, uh, 
<laughs> See? <laughs> we better on Zoom. Don't put us together in real life. This is no. going to be a problem. And, and we're all like a day or two apart birth-wise. That's so right. So we could go down. Um, <laughs> so, you know, in, in class, early on, we started bringing questions in. Uh, and then we created Nubia, and then we are like, we can have the questions there. And then you created office hours, so there's like nothing but questions. But we're gonna open it up for questions. I have the first question that has nothing to do with this. But oh, can it, we it, clap for that man right there with we, that mask on his face because we've never Uraeus, seen before? Uh, this, oh, did I shout out Urias? Nah, no. Urias. Urias, Urias, right there. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We'll work it out, Urias. Don't worry about it. Who didn't recognize you? Yeah, he didn't recognize me. But that's all right. Didn't recognize the voice or anything. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, you know, maybe he's got like color blindness or sound blindness. So um, if anyone has any questions, please raise your hand. I'll give up. I'll give up this mic and we'll figure out um, this mic is, is going to have to work. It's not working. So uh, we will work it out. But um, I do have a question, Dr. Carr, about yeah. this current state of, of uh, the world and wars and stuff. Since you mentioned the war, the Haitian Revolution and then World War One made people pivot. What mm. should the pivot be in the midst of this turmoil that the, the world is in, right? I guess we are in it as well. But what should the pivot be? And I have some ideas, but I just want to know, you know what your thoughts are. Um, oh, this is us. <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep, I'll keep that short. I, I really think that we really will build it by doing what we're doing right now. I can't, I can't say that enough, meaning what we're building together, not just people in this room, but people who are not in this room, who are benefiting from the conversations we're having and from the connections we're making. And thank you everyone just in just today and even last night when uh, we were coming in, uh, Larie Friedman and I were coming right How in. weird was that? Because that wasn't supposed to happen Ancestors either. Ancestors don't ever make no mistakes. Y'all know this is, this is the color of the role we put my mom in to put her, put her body in the ground. I'm saying everything is just like, you know, the ancestors don't make no mistake. And thank you all, those everybody who sent, sent love and, and gratitude. And I reflect that back because we're in that practice. I think every conversation that I've had today, and I think this is probably the case of everybody who's been talking and listening, is just an extension of how connected we are and how all of our stories, all of our experiences, when we build them together, as you said earlier today, creates the compelling kind of force to transform. So what we will do next, we can't sit it out, obviously. They're bombing around nuclear facilities, so all that. Um, there are no good guys, as we know, in terms of, and this sister, the young sister from University of Pennsylvania, I was listening to him conversations oh, y'all yes. having. She's something. St. Julian <laughs> Varnon? Yes. Yeah, I mean, to, you know, to, to have a black woman who lived in Ukraine, who is her whole study is Russian and Ukrainian history, um, to be able to, to talk with her. She's been, she's made the rounds. She's since like, I got to study and do papers and great, you know, I got to get off social media because everybody now, it's like Terrell J. Starr. Right. It's like everybody taps into us at some point. Uh, our brother Sinclair Skinner uh, also went to Poland to, to help uh, refugees there, uh, Africans who who left, um, and it's weird how, you know, 24 hours a day, I was, we were in uh, Cocoa with Karen and one of the um, teachers in there, she teaches in a school that's multicultural, predominantly Hispanic, and she is giving them the, the questions. She's being very Socratic and making them come to the conclusion that the reason why this is 24 hours a day is because of the complexion of the people for whom this is happening to, because we, we know wars are going on right now. 
there, there are places that are decimated. There, this whole ass genocide in China right now, right now, right. as we speak of, yeah. from people who uh, don't, who practice a Muslim religion. We don't talk about that 24 hours a day. They're in concentration camps. They are making cotton, they're in cotton fields, making uniforms for their, for their Olympic team. We don't talk about that 24 hours a day. And let's not even talk about refugees. You know, we, we saw what they did when folk were trying to come here last, last year on horseback. So it does kind of put us in a framework to not dwell on it because I don't talk a lot about it because I want to focus on what we're going to do next. You know, people are going to be people. Right. Our job is to be everything we're supposed to be, which erases all of that, right? And just as it took them, didn't even take them 400 years to develop a system to dehumanize and to degrade and to, to, to build empires on top of the backs of people. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna take us that long to reverse that. No. And, and it's not even about a reversal, it's about going back to what we used to do so that, you know, sure. so that we're here, you know, in the midst of everything that's going on is, is a testament to what the possibilities are. And we don't need a whole lot of people. Doesn't take a whole lot of people. No. I mean, I don't know how many people were in that Germany, uh, that, that, uh, that conference that they had oh, that the divvied up Africa. Fewer than this. Yeah. Yeah, but they had countries, though. Don't we have countries? If we remember. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Let me, let me, okay. okay. Did you tell him last night, Howard, is, you're going to talk to Howard? French. Who? Oh, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I ain't even worried about that. <laughs> I ain't gonna go back sit back back in my house anyway. So, and Doc, I hope I don't get that long COVID. That's some serious business, brother. This is man, man. What y'all talking about earlier? That's serious. Uh, as Dr. King said, we of course we reading where do we go from here? Black folk get two times the misery and half the good stuff. So we start talking about the, the age at which people, you know, are most vulnerable and all that. All those statistics just reinforce what he's writing about. But did you t- you said something about how French is going? Yeah. Going so what had happened was, and I'm going to project my voice. So keep the mic because I I didn't I I'm was a theater major. I was a theater major for yes, like one week for one week. Well, one week, and I was like, y'all too weird for me. I can't do it. But. <laughs> But um, yeah, Tanya went to Africa. Tanya Pinkins, a Tony Award-winning actress. Yes. And when she went to Sudan, she's reading the book, of course, Born in Blackness. And she's like, there's some d- discrepancies in here from what I saw and what I read. And I need to ask Howard French some questions. So I reached out to Howard French. I was like, can you come in and answer some questions? I didn't let him know that, it was, you know, that Tanya was going to hit him with some. With, he'll, f- he'll find out on Wednesday. But I feel like he's, he's ready for whatever questions she has. So Wednesday, Tanya's going to come in and ask him some questions at 11 a.m. And, uh, you know, and if any of y'all have questions, it's going to be live in Nubia. So y'all pop in and ask your questions as well. But this is the thing, you know, every book that we read, every, everything that's assigned to us in school. And that t- teacher last night, and I forgot her name, and I apologize because I'm horrible with names, which is why I'm glad y'all have badges on. Um, <laughs> Right. She was saying, you know, she, she takes them through, like, Dana. read this paragraph. And then the very next paragraph. Right I'm sorry. Dana. Dana? Okay. Oh, yeah. amazing. But she said the very next paragraph that she has her students read contradicts the first one. Of course. So, so we are all inundated with misinformation that has been indoctrinated since we were little. And that's the hard thing is to break through all of that, right? Yes. But we can do it. And even all the authors. I mean, hell, I've written 30 plus books. And, you know, not a humble brag, but I'm saying no. that, you know, in the midst of doing that, if I were to do them over with all the knowledge that I have now, they would be so much better. You know, there would be so much more information. We are constantly like Christy Purnell, constantly learning things. So we have to correct the record. If there's something that Howard French wrote that needs adjusting, we're going to, you know, but we're in a society where we can't be wrong. 
people can't make mistakes, you know, so instead of just admitting that it's wrong and fixing it, we cover over the wrong till we have a pile of wrong. Like we're just sitting ah. on a mountain of wrong and we feel it. Like I feel it every day. It's like things don't line up and they don't make any sense. So mm. let's, let's set the record straight. If there's something in it that doesn't line up with what Tanya saw with her eyeballs in Sudan, you know, we all travel, you know, people go different places. My experience is gonna be different from yours from yours, from yours, but collectively now we have a wide experience. So I'm, I'm glad that we have the space to be able to challenge the works that are out there. We should challenge every single thing that's written. I agree. You know, I and agree. I'm glad we're doing, where do we go from here? Because that book, what that, I'm reading that and I'm like, King was on something, yeah. which is why he they got had, on something. Exit. No question, no question. Let me, let me just say right quick, I mean, because this is, as we see ourselves in time and space in this moment, two years ago, this wasn't here, obviously. And, you know, when our sister Ajwa invited me to come up with her and ride a train, come see you that time we were in November, you know, you already had this space where people are listening to you. And it was making impact. And then this hit. And the creator sent you this vision. Because as we say, individuals don't beat institutions. That's why I started with Milton Hershey. He took something people wanted, a drug, turned it into billions, and then dumped all of it, almost all of it, into charity. There would be no town. <laughs> there would be no, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, okay, you can't catch up to that. The only way you beat that is to create something on a completely different model. So you sitting there in Jersey, you know, can I press record? And then a year ago, narrative. And now, newbie, are we going to win? Because you can't use the model, they, you can't catch up to that because they built it on your labor. The only way you would catch up to that is what Dr. King was saying, which is stand up. And if you stand up, well, we're going to take you out, you out, you out, scare the hell out of the rest of them, let three or pay a few of them of some money to throw a ball through a net, get these two to sing, and then uh, we'll be, but no, but then we just, you just ignore all that. So let's just, let's just start talking to each other. And here we are only a year into that phase of it with an institution. And... Now, I'm saying that in particular as it relates to, as you're talking about, Ty, you're going to talk to, to, to Brother French. Academics, this is not that. Academic, as we know, there's a lot of academics in this room. Academic, a, a lot of professionals, obviously, in this room. We know that those hierarchies can't be reformed either. Academics write books to each other. How liberating is it for a guy like Howard French, whose book, would be read by a few people, reviewed in the New York Times, maybe New York, New York Review of Books. He'd be talking to regular black people, children. When he's saying, oh, Karen, this is who I was trying to talk to. Well, but you didn't have no place. You create a place now. And guess what it does? It destroys. Now, it's like Showtime at the Apollo. If you can sing, you stay on the stage. If you can't sing, we love you, but you got to get off the stage. Do you know how many academics are shook by this? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm cheating, right? Because they be, they, be, they be watching, and then you know what's happening? I'm seeing now dialogue changing, and they would never admit. Well, we be watching, and we be in there, and then you hear, because, because they want that too, but I invested all this time and money and this prestige, and I'm trying to change. Who are you talking to? Well, you're talking to the social structure. I understand, because that's the model. But you know, oh, I left my bag. Anyway, no, that's all right, because I'll start in energy. <laughs> Because I'm not at the house. Anyway, but, but, I, but I'll end with this. Because when COVID shut everything down, the idea I had was, we, we don't, we want, hmm. Y'all remember in Black Panther, y'all saw what happened to Ryan Coogler the other day in Atlanta, right? I know that went into that sentiment from this kid from the West Coast in Atlanta who knows how it goes down and knows exactly what's about to happen to him or not happen to him with that sister in the back seat and his driver, and, and this is black on black crime, as Amos Wilson would say, black and brown on black crime in service of white nomination. I know that feeling went into those words he put in Michael B. Jordan's mouth in Black Panther. He said, burn it all. The day they shut down the university and said, okay, we're going online, in my mind, I'm like, burn it all. Burn the pretentiousness, burn the hierarchy, because that, kind of fire purifies. In other words, if you're really about the people, what you're not going to do is write books about people who waged wars and get awards from people who have no interest in the advancement of the causes those people died for and call yourself a fighter. But if you really for us, like Howard French, then we can see, burn it all, burn all the, the academic hierarchies, burn all the professional hierarchies. But that's not even at the center of the practice. The center of practice is to build, because when you build something, that righteous fire will emanate off that and burn it anyway. So we're not even set up and handle arguments. We're just trying to pour clean glasses of water to mix metaphors between fire and water. But the point is that what I'm coming to is this. For Tanya to raise that, Born in Blackness is a brilliant book. It advances us. At the same time, we learn in metanature now. So what, the more we learn, the more we connect what we know with what we're learning, the more we'll see born in blackness is not the center either. See, Tanya over there in East Africa in the Nile Valley, of course there's something that Howard French couldn't deal with. Because that was old before everything he writes about in born in blackness was born. It was ancient before all of that was born. That's where we're starting. We're not going back to that. We're starting with that. And so where's the sister who uh, reads and writes and speaks Hebrew? Yes, thank you. When you came up and said, you know, I'm doing metanature. I see some connections. You know how many academics are going to be shook by that? You know how many theologians who have built their whole theological <laughs> worldview on this misrepresentation of the black-on-black -black violence that they would say is what happened between the Egyptians and Moses is going to be shook by somebody who reads Hebrew, reads Metanature, sees what's there that's the same and sees what's different and can articulate it so that five-year-olds and 50-year-olds and people who ain't never been in no college, you know how many institutions going to fall? And then people say, well, damn, I'm not paying $50,000 a year to go get it. I'm going to get a subscription to Narrative with my grandmother <laughs> and my dad. And then, of course, 
I'm going to get this back to you because in terms of that, what that looks like, that's why I'm glad we have a general because that's not what I do. Because they're going to come there and be like, how can we partner? How can we sponsor? You know, the Hershey Foundation has as much, maybe more at this point, money than the Ford Foundation. Yeah, it's more money in the foundation that's to be used exclusively for that school right there than there is in the Ford Foundation. And Darren Walker, the head of Ford Foundation, is a black man. That's a beautiful thing. But uh, we don't need the Ford Foundation. That's going to scare the hell out of Ford Foundation. How long before they come to you and offer your grant to partner? <laughs> you know, that's, uh, we, we meet every Wednesday. Uraeus, Carl, Carl Vernado, and I. Um, we met last week with Procter & Gamble. And I'm sitting in, in, their, in their meeting room. You know, we deconstruct afterwards. And, you know, I know, I know how to do business. Yes. This is not a business. Right. So the decisions that we make are totally informed about this thing being here hundreds of years after we're gone. What does that look like? And, you know, I, I watch my brothers and sisters who take checks from people. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm on Sirius XM. Y'all hear all of the commercials. You hear them. You hear them. Uh, we got some bomber socks, actually, for everybody. Uh, <laughs> You're not socks. playing out here in these Hershey streets. <laughs> you know, and, and Jennifer Jones Austin was like, you could have gotten a sponsor. And I was like, I could have called on everyone. Terry Williams, of course, last year um, met me 50-50 for the $10,000 um, uh, CD that we gave away uh, during our game night. We, we're not doing that this year because, you know, she had a situation that, um, that I didn't want to bother her. But I was like, you know, every dime that was put into this was given back to y'all, right? Because this is not a business. Mm. That said, you know, to sustain ourselves, to do the kind of documentaries, to do That's all right. of the things, That's you right. know, yes, the, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. But yeah, we're going to do corp corporate sponsors just the way I do advertising on the radio, which is, as y'all mm -hmm. know, very discriminately. You know, if, if there's a problem, if you have a problem with One United, I contact Terry Williams. We are in constant, <laughs> like, we, we talk. Yes. And she handles it personally because this audience matters to her. So what I've been able to do on the radio has made us matter to the people who want to put money. You're not, we're not commodities for you. This is a community that you are grateful to be a part of or you don't get to be a part of it. There's mm -hmm. so many advertisers mm -hmm. that don't get to advertise on Urban View because I say no every week. Larika tell you, they send us a list and I'm like, nope, 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 I'm not doing that. Nope, I'm not, nope, no supplements there. Nope, we're not. Hmm. And hmm. so now it's a demand, right? Like, how do we get in? Well. You have to have Bombas I rock with them because they literally, they have a whole section devoted to black people who serve the community. I just bought a bunch of socks last, the week before. The, it's called the Black Hive because I just wanted to support that, you know. And these aren't black people, so it's not even race sensitive. It's, it's more like, what are you doing for the community? That's right. And That's so right. any corporation coming this way, they will have to prove that they historically care about us, but more importantly, like, what are you going to do to build what we've already created and add your brick? So everybody's going to have to come bringing a brick. And it's, it's a struggle because I see people make decisions based on money. Some of our favorite people of course. make decisions based on that check. And they don't say anything because they're getting a check from somebody. But Terry Williams will tell you, I have no problem saying something about when that Harriet told me, I was like, you got to go. And she was like, wait, 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 wait. 
can I come on the show? I was like, you, I'm never promoting Harriet Tubman with the Wakanda thing. I'm not doing it. Mm. And she was like, okay, fair enough. All right. I was like, who made the decision? She was like, it was all me. Let me come on and talk about it. So she came on and talked about it. Yeah. I heard, I don't agree with it, so I'm not going to do it. And if you want to take your money and go, that's fine. But that's got to be the way. And I figure we'll figure it out, right? We'll figure it out. And so, yeah, I, yeah, we probably will have sponsors down the line for specific things, but they're never going to touch the core of what we do yeah. every day. No one will own this. Yeah. No one will, no corporation will own this. Yeah. So I made that commitment. So. No, that's, and, it, and, and, and that's why, that's why it had to be you. No, seriously. I mean, because, you know, my, my predisposition is to never touch any of that. So you gotta have, no, that's why we have to be together. Everybody, like when you say everybody brings their brick, that's what keeps us together. We are the bricks. And we need all of those skill sets. Because when I think about all of the children, yeah, we have about 10 minutes, I think. Yeah. Where we, right? yeah. Okay. When I think uh, of all the children in particular, well, not, let me not say children because because old heads used to say, you know, y'all say, you keep saying the children are the future. The children are your fate if you don't. <laughs> Everybody, particularly our elders, I think in some ways, because they have that institutional memory. Everybody has equal value in terms of the fact that we're human, but everybody has different value in terms of our experiences. And so I absolutely not only trust you and trust us, that is the thing that sustains us. I appreciate and, that. And, you know, absolutely, absolutely. And the and only other thing I'll say quickly, and then hopefully we can get some people, maybe Definitely. a couple of people to say, is that when we create the time and space to be able to do what we're doing right now, that's when, as you say, we'll figure it out. We've never not figured it out, because if we could have been killed, we'd be dead. So. Everybody figured it out before us, but they figured it out in many ways. Now it's our turn to figure it out in this time and space. And this thing is so close to breaking that they have moved desperate. I look at our, our sister in, in Kiki Taifa there, who's been fighting for reparations for a long time, a lot longer than she is old. I guess the you know, ancestors come through. If you haven't seen her book, Black Power, Black Lawyer, you need to get that book. But she'll tell you better than any of us could that those, those struggles with our political prisoners that you always campaign, who are still behind bars, all those struggles for people who lost their lives, and then that institution stands up in front of the ones that survived and say, you want what happened to them to happen to you? And people who, but this gives people hope. This gives people a place to empty that courage. And we can build institutions with that. Definitely, but it does start with us. I interviewed a guy who is uh, an actor on Peacemakers. He's a brother from, I want to say he's from Nigeria, and he grew up in a, went to a London boarding school, and his father, you know, so we were talking, um, and I was thinking it was going to be a, a bad interview because I hated Peacemakers, and, you know, I'm like, his, his character, he takes over for Viola Davis from the previous um, iteration of, of, I think it was Doom Patrol, and but we're talking and I end up like I dropped some questions at him that he we ended up connecting like we're now in conversation because he said his father left him his memoirs. His father is still alive and he wrote the story of his life because I was like, well, you know, you you seem like you're rich because you went to it. And he was like, no, actually, my father wrote everything that he did and handed to me like a manual. 
so that I, a blueprint, so I would know what to do with my children, but also that I would know him more intimately. Because a lot of you are parents, but you show just one face of yourself to your children. Right. But as, uh, as they grow up, they still kind of only see you as mommy or daddy, but they don't see the fullness of your humanity. But his father did that, and he's still alive. And he said he read that thing, and it changed their relationship. And it also changed how he now, because he's having, getting ready to have a child, how he's going to parent. And he said, I think everyone should write something right. and leave it, right. you know, while you're still alive. You know, and I thought about that because, you know, we've been talking about doing something in narrative about, you know, talking to our elders, talking to our elders. But our elders need to write down. That's right. Or even it, like your sister did, walk around with your mom with a microphone. Yeah. And just yeah. now we have talk to text, you know, you can you can actually talk into a mic and then have it transcribed. There's programs for that that cost little to nothing. And I think that should be also the way that we preserve who we are, not just to one another, but to humanity. Because I imagine that thing, he, he didn't write that to publish. No. He wrote it for his father, for his son. Mm. And I think about that and he's sending it to me because I want to read it, you know. Oh. Um, but how many of you, you got your, your journals now, you're writing your goals in it. And I, some people have, you know, all of these things that they want to do. But how about recording what you've already done? One of, I, I shared this before. One of the first assignments I give to my students is to write their own obituary. But as 19, 18, 20-year-olds, for them, it's like I haven't done anything. And I, I think you said this. Uh, no, senyata. Did you say it today or the senyata? It's like a blur. But you're the ancestor right now that you want to be, or Senyata said that. I was like, yo, yes, all of that, right? Mm -hmm. But we're also, you know, some of us have done some things that we might have even forgotten that are important that the world needs to know. You know, I, I know some of you was like, oh, y'all are so great, but y'all are so great. Right. It's just you don't have platforms or whatever yet, or maybe never, but. It's building it now doesn't mean that you're not great. And unfortunately, we pedestalize so many people, which is why I rejected with every fiber of my being this whole star thing. Right. Like, everybody's got something that is super special. But we put people on pedestals to the point that Kim Kardashian's opinion matters. Like, exactly. how do we get here? Like, exactly. why, why, are we, why are we talking about her? Like, really, exactly. you know, what value does she bring to the world? Most of you in this room have done far greater things than this one woman could ever think to do but she's entitled enough to tell people to get up off their asses? You don't even know what that looks like. Nope, nope, I won't, nope. I won't do a pejorative because I have so many <laughs> jokes right now. But it's so okay, everybody pour their glass. Yeah, you, so. What, what, you, what you mentioned. Questions, yes. Let's, it, yes go. I just want to mention that what you just described, that father to son, that mother to daughter, that elder to youth, and as Dr. Beatty, as Mario continues, and folks are doing metanature, the Egyptians had a word for that. Uh, one of the words they would use is sebait. Sebait means teaching. Sebait means to teach. One of the, one of the translations, sebait could also mean star. But sebait is a teaching. Uh, Tahotep is probably one of the most famous textbooks that was created. A lot of people, y'all know about Tahotep, the Egyptian, the Kemetic. It was written as a dialogue between a father and son. Mm. And when we, when uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Between the World and Me came out, you know, he wrote that to his son. Um, came out. Mario gave a talk. We actually picked his book because he went to Howard. We picked his book to be for our freshman seminar. And Mario gave a talk that fall where he said, People are reading Between the World and Me as a father's letter to his son. 
And he said, so let me put that in the context of the governance structure. And he went back to the Egyptians. And what you could see is the difference between an, an elder narrating her life, narrating his life and saying here, and a set of instructions for a child because the narration of the life is the instructions. And then you can see when you are, in other words, a Sabaite wouldn't be writing about the fears you have for your black child. That's a social structure Sabaite. The Sabaite you talking about, and I, now I, know, I know you're talking about, because I watch Peacemaker, you know, because my thing is, y'all put this white man in the suicide squad. But I didn't realize that that thing is not white facing. This is my life. Now take it from, everybody has a Sabaite. And that's a that's very that's an African thing. It's not just African, of course, because then it becomes a model. And this social structure is very comfortable with black people telling black children to be scared. That's why all the bestsellers are about what we are to other people. Half of them written by my friends, and I ain't mad at them because that's how we've been oriented. But when you just tell your life, what comes out is the genius of not just how we survive, but how we transformed. And every story I've been hearing, every every time we talk. We get another story of, of black genius. I don't use black excellence. I don't like that term. Who are you trying to show you excellent? Did you talk to your grandmother? You talk to your auntie? You talk to your, the, you ain't got to tell nobody you excellent. Just talk about your life. <laughs> All right, questions. Oh, you have a question? You? you have a question? <laughs> hey, sis. I've been reading. Great questions. And you know, you know better than I do. And in fact, see, this is a master lawyer. I was looking at when they tried had to integrate these pools, because you know at the Brown versus Board of Education, you know, Hershey Park was a private park. The way you keep black people out is to privatize the park. There were several of them in this in this community. <laughs> and they could just say it was private. It's no longer state-owned. That's that's the lead. You, you already know. So, so black people desegregated the private pools in this community because the other thing Pennsylvania did was build a bunch of cheap ass pools to kind of keep black the heat off black people. But all these little towns around here, some of y'all know, some of y'all from this area know, they had private pools and they and they integrated. And then of course Hershey, I think it was '71, went straight corporate. So this is like a local Disney World of people, right? So that's all I think. But anyway, I don't have a good answer to that, Sister Kids. You know why? Because we know that Wall Street as you know better than I do, was sourced by those black towns and those black fields and those, that's a lot, where that a lot of stuff was coming from. The business side is the, is the front that people saw and it was community, but I'm wondering if we have been uninterrupted whether or not we would have, this is what um, Adolph Reed is arguing in his little book, The South. He said, class stratification was retarded by Jim Crow. That if, if you, once segregation was lifted, you saw black people start doing what anybody does in a capitalist society, which is the people with two nickels to rub together try to get away from the rest of them Negroes. And I'm wondering if we had been, un, if we had continued, if that class stratification would have matured 
and we'd be in the same mess we in today, except there'd be more black people in elective office. Because look at what happened after the Voting Rights Act. After the Voting Rights Act, that first generation or two of black politicians, rah, rah, we, somebody from Gary, we were talking about Gary 1972, all that, right? We were talking about all that, right? And then the next generation, a little less so, and here we are in 2022, where you got a sitting vice president of the United States, we all cheering, but unless she went over there and read the riot act to the Polish about all those African students that the Polish have been treating like that, I don't give a damn if Kamala Harris is black. My point is, but that's naturally what it would look like if there's no collective identity. So I don't know that I have a good answer. I think ultimately, this system has to, to go. Whether it's in black, white, brown, yellow, whatever, because this capitalist system is not only unsustainable, it's gonna force this ball to say, as it snows outside and be 70 degrees tomorrow, okay, we're gonna fix ourselves by getting rid of this rogue ass species that should never have walked out of Africa and got trapped between them ice ages and developed this selfish personality out of their culture in the first place. I'm gonna say less about that. Well, <laughs> say more. <laughs> say more. Right. Stay at home. Well, Maybe that's the yeah. lesson of migration. And, and, <laughs> and, just, and as, as we get the next question, I just, you know, the focus has to be on not what was taken, but what can be built, you know? Like, yeah, that's right. I mean, we can't, we can't ever go back and we can talk about the 400 year interruption. What would have happened then? But I actually right. think there's an evolution to having to endure the things that we endured and remember the things that we got through that's right. to be able to build a thing that can't be, can't be broken. That's right. But will probably be broken. <laughs> Wait, can I say that us, is the framework? Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. No, really, that's, if we truly believe in ways of knowing, you just articulated it. Okay, thank you. Who, that's right. Who, somebody stood up and then they had their hand up. Okay, come on. We got, how much, how much time, Karen? Okay, all right, let's take a couple more questions oh. and then, you know, we're going to be here. So that's the other yeah, thing. You know, some nowhere. conferences, people run, and they go to their room, nah. and they hide out. We, we are here, we're going to be here for the duration. I'm going to be here. The car is going to be here. <laughs> What? I'm not going out. You're not going out there. We're, not, we're going to be here anyway. Some of y'all going to be here longer. The ancestors well, was like, you know what? Right. Ain't nobody going to Archie no Park. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to the museum. I know you're trying to go to a bookstore. No, you're not going. Thank you. It will be 54 degrees on Monday, so this will be melted. By oh, that's cool, but yeah. not today. Not today. The day you are here. No we're question. Here. All right, who stood up? Somebody stood up, had a question. Yes. Hi. Santi Sam. Thank you for your gift, Izzy. Thank you. I'm not taking this question. Really? <laughs> okay. To me, it's not. You got you. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. You, 
Where's some y'all at? Y'all, you know, I ain't never seen, well, maybe not. Before you, I don't know, y'all work, the conversations they have, that's a whole, that's like listening to, you know, I guess Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker talking. You can't do it, you just listen. So, I know she's somewhere working right now. So, yeah, she would probably be there. My quick answer to that is that it, we saw it on display with Sonata in the sense that Bahia, I was in Bahia. It's 2005. We went down there to have a curriculum conference with school teachers, where Cedric is now, part of his family. And in fact, took Cedric's CD down. We were showing them freedom schools, all these black children. These black children in Brazil, their maps, many of their maps stop at the Caribbean. So they know we're here, but they know primarily through the pop culture, as you say, the celebrity. But when they saw students who looked like them, with books and you know, drumming, and said, oh, that's right, yeah, that's, we all here. But anyway. That was the detour on the way to the point where we walking around and I saw this big statue of Jesus with a double bladed axe in his hand. I see this elder, he speaks Portuguese. I don't know, you know, you know I know, obrigado, a few other phrases, trying to sound starve out here in these Salvador streets. <laughs> and so I said, oh, Jesus, he said, see. I said, oh. <laughs> Shango, he said, see. <laughs> he got a double-bladed axe in his hand. Now, y'all read the Bible when Jesus told the money changers they got to get to heaven. That was not a polite conversation. That's a Ogun. <laughs> That's a Shango spirit. Now, the thing with Christians, and I grew up in a church, Baptist church. I wasn't in the Pentecostal. In fact, we, we sitting up here laughing before we started and carrying them first lines of, Jesus can't work it out if you let him. And some of y'all know that song, right? I said, don't start that, because we'll be running up out of here. Them people be like, what are they doing up there, Hershey Every problem that I had, some of y'all know, yeah, devil all in his eye, oh, curse your God and die. Oh, and they work it out, already worked it out. And all right, all right, we're going to start. See, I told you, the point is this. Those are Africans. Every, every church you've been in with that, those are African people. Now, if they're going to fight you about the African part, the question becomes, do you believe what you say you believe? As James Cleveland said, where's your faith? Because last I checked, Jesus wasn't in the corporate suite. That's Howard Thurman. Jesus in a disinherited. If you truly say you a Christian or Muslim or Jew, then you were to disinherit it. So as uh, my, my man Aubrey Hendricks in New York calls it, he said, that ain't Christianity, that's churchianity. <laughs> as, my, as, as our Bob and Jeremiah Wright was, that's churchianity. So I think the best way to approach it is wherever people are, that's the point of entry. And then we just keep asking the questions. And people reveal themselves. Now in terms of the social structure, I should say one other thing. In terms of the social structure, it becomes difficult because you got to act on that faith. And so when people like Paji Henry and other Caribbean philosophers talk about the fact that when we were brought into this mess, this enslavement, this oppression, one of the things that the Western form of Christianity that tried to dehumanize us did was introduce the possibility of non-existence in terms of a way of knowing. When you are spiritual people, and you just articulated it a minute ago in terms of how we need to think, it's all in divine order. We just keep doing what our assignment is and the things going. But once you are introduced to the possibility of non-existence, fear becomes the center of your way of knowing. 
And that's when you come running saying, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> and at that point, it becomes a transaction. You bargaining with something that you already a part of. And that that's, the fun that's what John R. Clark would say, all these Western religions are male chauvinist murder cults. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> you turned it into a hierarchical, transactional way of knowing where you are trying to bargain for your continued existence, but we all got to go that way. And if we understand that that's all part of divine order, if we're asking about that, it'll work itself out. But I think that's something very different than what, what we... It's been said. <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. One more, one more yeah. question. So my question is more about destructing um, current systems that are in place. Um, it was a week into NARA because I did the first module, and I'm like, the America, whoever I'm paying my student loan to, they owe me a refund. Right. Burn it all. The question, the answer is in the question, right? Um, you know, class action lawsuits have worked in the past, right? Class yeah. action, you know, and it just takes some brilliant lawyer to, uh, you know, put it together. And soon we'll have another Supreme Court justice, and then maybe even another one, maybe another one, yeah. and maybe the courts will be packed enough because yeah. that's how that works if we all vote. Yeah. You know, it's like the dominoes have to fall, and we keep allowing ourselves to get hung up on rhetoric and things, you know, well, they ain't do nothing, he ain't do nothing for black people, so we're not going to vote, or we, oh, this is, so I'm just going to sit home and bitch about it, and, you know, it just requires, I mean, I think about Thurgood Marshall, even though, you know, Brown versus Board of Ed is not my favorite decision, um, <laughs> period, mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons, mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it was about desegregation as much no. as it was about treating me like a human being, right. which would have been fine, and they would have been over here putting money in our community, because it was just that dope, but you. yeah, we, we got some of y'all lawyers in this room. You know, get together while you're here. Form, you know, do like Ooh. that kind of work. It's like, what? Why are we doing that? Yeah. There's uh, a let, lot of things that can be done. That's right. Well, let me let me let me just let me just echo that and give a very very concrete example of how that might work. And and he should be interested in hearing what you think about this. And all the lawyers, in fact, and we need lawyers. I mean, you know, I got a law degree, but I decided I didn't want to practice law. It was more important for me to teach. But we do need to understand. If you're writing a 18th century constitution in this country, which is really unfixable, because you really don't need a 19th Amendment if you will interpret the 15th Amendment to extend voting to everyone. It doesn't mention gender. All this judge-made law, these are decisions made by human beings. It ain't in a document. But either you, Dr. King said, be true to what you say on paper. Let's be very specific about that. In this very specific example of critical race theory you mentioned. 
Uh, I know Virginia, I know Texas. Anybody else in a state where they've set up this uh, watchdog thing where you, Florida, right? I love it. Let me tell you why. Because in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, when you had Thurgood Marshall, Spotswood Robinson, and, and Paulie Murray, and all the people um, just out of Howard Law School that preceded Nkichi Taifa coming through there, they're facing straight racists on the bench as judges. But the one thing many of those racists valued even more than whiteness, or at least they saw coterminous with whiteness, was their document. So this is what the 14th Amendment says. So their strategy in, that led up to Brown, all, all the, uh, the restrictive covenant cases, the property law cases, all the cases that dealt with any application of the 14th Amendment, either you got to make separate equal or you got to get rid of separate. Because the 14th Amendment says, without regard, you know what I'm saying? So what they realized was, if we try to make separate equal, it's going to bankrupt us. So just let two or three of them Negroes into the law school. <laughs> let three or four. And then what we didn't realize, as you say, even after the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VI, you start suing. Now we got to worry about our HBCUs because they're going to argue now you don't need HBC. In other words, it's intellectual warfare. But here's what we are with critical race theory. I love the state of Florida has this in Virginia. Everybody sitting at home, watching your stories, coming home from work, call the hotline. My grandbaby came home and said that you didn't have Harriet Tubman in the curriculum and it traumatized her. Click. Hello. Yeah, my grandbaby said that uh, there was nothing about the Egyptian. In other words, the same strategy we used before. Now, either you believe what you wrote, this is traumatizing children, or you don't. If you don't, all them people who thought you were somebody, we know who you are for real, go come with us. Because what we did, finally, while we were doing that, that ain't even our primary objective. Our primary objective is to build this. And then what people realize is, we're going to have to take that L on student loans. You are, I am. But our grandparents and our great-grandparents took bigger L's. Them people in Alabama and Georgia, when Rosenwald gave a dollar and they gave three, including property, and then built the place, and they call them Rosenwald schools. Black people pawned their mules. Black people pawned their property. They died in debt so their children could get an education. If we have to eat the student loans and the next generation has this, our ed is over, y'all. It's over. Doc, when you say your son was sitting in the bed on the laptop, I told you, I said, I'm teaching classes. I see the kids on the laptop on the screen. But guess what? I ain't never going back to what was before COVID. Because that was unsustainable. And guess who figured it out? All these 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds who are now freshmen and sophomores in college, who was at home this time two years ago, who came to campus, and then when the faucet didn't work or the roach ran across the hall, they just took over a building. And Howard was like, hell no, baby, I'm paying all this money. Yeah, see, because now what they realize, what am I paying for? They got to have a place to go. And that's what we're building right now. <laughs> this Facts. Right. All right. All right, uh, one more question. Okay, look at this. Oh. We've answered all the little questions. Oh, I'm sorry. Hi. Hi. Yeah, DC.
Only works in certain states. You gotta know the strategy. It's not just wholesale. What? Um, I'm sorry. What's your name again? Alexi. Alexi. Uh, Jamaica by way of D.C. D.C. by way of Jamaica. Um, as she's talking, I'm also thinking, we've been doing this a year. Hmm. I feel like you know we we get something and we get excited and and we we want to just run full steam ahead, but. I had a purpose in thinking about this as a 20-year plan because it takes time to get things, the foundation set. I don't know if we're ready yet. Maybe we are, but I'm also, I'm not a patient person, but I know that patience is required in this time. And I'm, I don't feel like we're building this for right now. We're building this for generations to come, we may not see the manifestation of the things we do here. Mm. I'm very good with that. Mm. But I want it to be here forever, like those pyramids that Tanya just saw. Yes. So that was the, the, the genesis of this. I don't want it to get too big too fast, which is why I'm not out there like, come join narrative, you know, come, please, please join, you know, see commercials. Mm -hmm. You know, we've talked about this, you know, as a team, do we, you know, do we expand the, you know, and I'm like, hmm. No, I think, you know, one by one is good. Two by two is good. It worked for Jesus. I don't know why, why we should mess with the, with the system. The system that? worked, right? And thousands of years later, you know, we see that. that, even though now it's, you know, twisted and bastardized. But, you know, pretty much you can go back to that word and see that person and know right. what the plan was. So I, I feel like, yes, we can tackle something, absolutely. But let's build, let's continue to build and make sure that, our foundation is broad enough, meaning, you know, it was great listening to people like amazed by how many people are here from so many different places yes. with a comment. I mean, there were two people from Bermuda that couldn't get a ticket. You know, two people from Bermuda wanted to come and the tickets got too high because everybody's traveling now. And mm -hmm. I was like, Damn, you know, Oz in London, we got folk, you know, Jackie all over Africa and all of the people that, you know, but to come to this conference from all over California, every place says something. Right? This thing already, and it's been a year. What can we do in two or three? Okay. And so, like, that's got to be the, the impetus. It's like, all right, what's your individual brick? Because this institution is built by all of us bringing something, and I like the idea, you know. I just need us to vote in the midterm, whatever that looks like in your particular community, because we all live someplace. So just, like, focus on the space that you're in. Because I, every day I get up, I sweep in front of my door, you know, and it's frustrating because people just throw stuff. But I have to do it because I can't leave it there. I'm like crazy. I'm walking. I'm looking down. Like, what, who, who threw it? Like, and I'm out there cussing while I'm sweeping. I need y'all to hear me. You know, but it has made an impact on the neighborhood. And I've, I haven't been in that long. And I've done it twice now. So I know that there's a method. So this is a manifestation of that. I know every day you just chip away. So everybody in here can do something. Mm. You live someplace, 
we, I just talking to somebody that doesn't want to go back to Baltimore. We just had Buster Stories has this whole game yes. plan I talked about. We had NACA on to talk about how you can get those loans and rebuild, you know, That's like great. we can block, block by block, brick by brick, build up the community that we want to live in and then put people around us, you know. Other people are doing it, they call it gentrification, but why, why aren't we gentrifying or whatever they, you know, what, what we call it, blackifying? What, we gotta come up building. with a name for it, building. We just building. Why aren't we building our own communities? I, I don't think it's acceptable to have anything in your community that's out of order. That's unacceptable, you live there. How about that? I'm like, that, I had a lady in my neighborhood who was like so inspired and she, you know, she went, went to the city council to get the signs you know, just the little things to get the, the hydrants painted, you know, because it yes. makes a difference when you come into a community and you see somebody cared enough to paint the hydrants and put new signs up. She that? went to city council for that. But there are things that can be done. So to your point, yes, absolutely. Time, let's just focus. Is your house in order? I know some of y'all left your beds unmade. I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. Ah, I'm, that's the thing saying, I did before. That's the thing. I had to make sure my sheets were washed because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. I'm going home to a made bed. But I'm just saying, just those little things, because those are the things that bring you forward into the, the community. Like, you can't come into this community raggedy. Do you know what I'm saying? So part of this, not that there's any raggedy people here. You wouldn't be here, but I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying. So that's No, no, that's no. It's part. That you just said the four-letter word. It's time. It's time. Um, genius is often mistaken as natural ability, when in fact, it's really more time. I mentioned mean, Charlie Parker before. You know, when you see Sonny Stitt and voice, not them, you know, listening to Charlie Parker, I'm gonna copy everything he does, even if it's wrong. What? But when you see, by the time you see him on the stage, what you don't see is all them early years in Kansas City when they threw that symbol and like, get off the stage. <laughs> it's time. I was watching, we were talking a minute ago, uh, Denzel Washington. He, he, he interviewed with Desus and Miro. They, I guess, you know, I know because the young people, that's why I know about them. I was watching that four days this morning, and he was on there talking about being from Mount Vernon. The whole, I ain't never seen Denzel Washington in a conversation like that. We were talking about it earlier. I've never seen him talk about New York like that, but he was with two New Yorkers. So they were talking about all these places in the Bronx and all these places he grew up in Mount Vernon. It was fascinating. I ain't never seen him laugh like that, even in the movies. I mean, like, he was, but they asked him about the Boys and Girls Club, and he said, oh, man, the Boys and Girls Club, my mama saved my life. My dad's worked three jobs. I mean, he's, it was a say by it, really, was what it was. But I'm saying I have to say that he said, I had some natural ability, but I ran track. And there was this guy who was faster than me, but the coach said, Denzel, he doesn't have your technique. He says, only so far natural ability is going to take you. He said, when I got into acting, I realized I had a gift, but unless I worked like hell, because they were asking him, what's harder, movies or theater? He said, oh, theater. He said, the theater is the actor's place. Movies, you can keep making takes, but if you mess up on stage, you got to keep going. So you got to figure out. And he said, and you know your people. That's when he started talking. They, they, had the, they had the theater talking about, this hell. I love you too, baby, but this is a play. <laughs> now, I can tell you, I saw that at Fences. <laughs> no, wait, was the Fences? The Fences is the one where Viola Davis and Denzel yeah, were on yeah, Broadway. We went yeah. to the show. And these Negroes, remember when, Denzel, when, when Viola comes in and tells Denzel, look, today this child gained a mother but you lost a wife. Them Negroes in, you know your people. That's my girl, you tell them, girl. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Y'all know actors, the rule number one is never break stage. I know it, and then watching that interview today, this morning, 
I said, this man hears everything said to him, and but he's on that stage as a representative of us and that community, but he's on that stage because of time. Time is what defines genius. So this is just a year. It takes time. And then and this is what the ancient Egyptians would say. This is, um, this might be from, I forget which one to say by it. It might be Dwaketi. Mario would know off the top of his head. He said, Medu Nefer, good speech, can be found among the women pounding grain. Meaning what? It takes time to listen. And we often pass the people who know to get to the people who they put on TV or give a platform to talk. And we walk right past the elder that's been told us 15 times, but it takes time. We've all been in that situation, haven't we? Absolutely. Where the thing that some elder told us 20, 30, 40 years ago, and we in that situation, it's like, damn, someone told me. <laughs> it just, and, and to me, I think I, it's not a satisfying answer because time never is. And that's why Dr. Carruthers, Jacob Carruthers used to always say this. When they would have a meeting and somebody would say, well, what are we going to do today? He said, okay, we're making you, we're putting you on the here and now committee. <laughs> and we need a here and now committee because it needs to be a rapid response team. But if I had to pick one thing right now, if I had to say just one thing, I wonder what it would be like. Like if we organize a nationwide, call them CRT hotlines and make them rude the day they pass those legislation. I'm just saying, and we ain't got to do that. Get those, get those elders that are sitting at their house, sitting at the nurse home, or sitting at the, the assistant visit. All right, here's the number, baby. Call and just say, my grandbaby said that my Angelou's poem was in the book when she, when she came back and said she's traumatized by that. Click. My grandmother, my, and the, I believe they would drop all them laws. <laughs> and that's something that somebody, oh, I'm not in narrative, or I'm not taking a bit of nature, or I'm not going in class. What's my job? Uh, Auntie, your job is to call this number once an hour since you're sitting here, and then go get your people in the missionary society at your church. And you put them prayer warriors on it, I believe them CRT laws might be gone before the end of the year. <laughs> <Anyway>. Facts. <laughs> Marching orders. Um, that's it. We got to wrap. And uh, so before we do that, I just want to say a prayer. I was watching something oh. on Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders, the coach, uh, the coach the from coach. the Jackson State. Coach Prime. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, did you know that he had his toes? Uh, he had an infection from an, uh, from an operation that eaten, we're in Healthy Wealthy Wise. So, it, ooh, I got sent that last night and it messed me up. Wait, he he mean, lost his big toe and almost lost his leg what? he's been in a wheelchair this that's why he was in that wheelchair yes he's been in a wheelchair and i'm like what this man has been through and still out there coaching i just want to say a mighty prayer for him because no and, and but therefore the grace of god i just you know had surgery and i'm sure thinking did, the too. biggest thing was like i don't want to catch no staff no mercer no nothing you know because more than you know getting your knees fixed you don't want to leave with something that can kill you which no almost question. happened to him so i just wanted to just say a prayer to Let's Deion sanders uh, go, go ahead. Okay. No, you do it. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm not the pray. I'm not the pastor. But I just want to say a mighty prayer to Deion Sanders for a complete healing. Uh, the the virus, the 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 infection that um, in, impacted his body and almost let, lost his leg, where he almost lost his leg, made 
May that be reversed. May he get through it. He already has a spirit that he can fight through anything. And I was just watching him and, and Tracy and they're like, mm -hmm. really, this was mm -hmm. serious. So I just uh, pray for a full recovery for him. And anybody else that's suffering from anything in here, let it be gone in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. Thank you all for this meeting, this prayer meeting.